You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. Get on the mic! Get on the mic! Just get on the mic! Get on the mic, Mike! Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as only one did. I swear to God. Swear to me. You know the difference between justice and punishment. Hey, the Here is sub zero. Now, plane zero. Pam, I will end you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is Mike on the Mic, courtesy of the Rock Deep Rogue Radio Network, also sponsored by GGR The Great Geek Refuge. If you're looking for commentary on video games, comic books, movies, sports, a little bit of everything, go to GGR, that is greatgeekrefuge.com, but you can also go to rockdeeprogueradio.com where you can catch out all of the Rock Deep Rogue Radio podcasters, such as myself, such as uh, my guest tonight. Mr. MC Brooks. Hello, hello. We've also got his guest, friend of his, a new contributor, I think we're, we're adding her into the mix, and that is uh, Miss uh, Charmaine Tabern. Hello, hello. She is joining mm-hmm. us this evening as well. Guys, we are talking about the 90s, and actually, that song I was just playing, that was by Queens of the Stone Age. You know how I can tie that into the 90s? How so? So Queens of the Stone Age um, was in a band called Caius. Caius was founded in the 90s. Like a lot of the members of Queens of the Stone Age, is, uh, Queens of the Stone Age were in Caius. Caius had a big fan, big fan, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl, guess who he was? Well, he's the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. He's also and? one of my heroes, and he's also the drummer of, I would think, probably easily the most iconic '90s alternative rock band of all time, and that would be Nirvana. Mm-mm-mm. We kick it off Can with I- Nirvana. And so you could actually bring that full circle, too, because Dave Grohl also played drums on which Queen of the Stone Age is probably most popular song. Yeah, no one no knows. No one knows. Yeah. yeah, he's also produced a couple of their albums, too. Like, he's they, good friends with them, yeah. Yeah, they have a super group, right? I yeah, believe. yeah. Um, it is uh, those Crooked Vultures. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But we start off with Nirvana. Not because they were the first, but this song, this album, was what kind of sprung grunge music into the mainstream which kind of grabbed alternative too like as grunge was getting blown into the like stratosphere and nirvana was going with it it kind of grabbed all alternative music and was just like all right guys come on you're coming with us we're gonna all you indie guys (laughs) with us and that was the cool thing about this is like i was still really young when this album came out this came out in like 1991 so i was all of nine years old but I remember hearing this, and it blew my mind. I had never heard anything like this. I was like, "What is he even saying?" I have no idea. I have no idea either. Yeah, Still I hear. I know entertainers, day. and that's it. I, I know all the lyrics, and and here's a perfect tie-in of why I know all the lyrics because of the liner notes. Because I bought the tape to this. This is this is why this is the first song. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a method to my madness. Here. Right. Like, 
I knew all the lyrics to this because I had the liner notes because I opened up that big ridiculous like 45 page thing that was inside the mm-hmm. tape that I had mm-hmm. for this album. Like I rode my bike up to Best Buy to get this damn tape. Like I, I, just, <laughs> I got in trouble because it was too far. I wasn't supposed to ride my bike that far, but whatever. You know, you, you got to get the music wherever you can. Right. But yeah, like I learned all the lyrics because of the liner notes. And like that's where really when I fell in love with music, there was there was so much meaning to this too. And it's funny because like this particular song is nonsense. He just yep. he put words together that sounded good. There's yep. really no deep meaning behind this song at all, mm-hmm. but it fucking rocks. And that, right. and it turns out that that turned out to be the point behind it too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that was and that was kind of his message with all of this is that like it was a it was a sound that that people were wanting to hear exactly this is when, in a time when the only thing that people were really listening to was like pop music and like hair metal and like Nirvana just just knocked all of it on its ass yep. and changed everything and. <laughs> It's. We'll get into more of this too because like they they go through some progressions too in their in their music. Not every song like like this is Nirvana because like if you go to the next one of their other big songs on their album, which is Lithium, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. completely different sound, M- much much more mellow. Yep. But like just in general, like a different mood. Exactly, and it shows it shows yep. the depth, right? Right. Yep. Because even my favorite, my favorite Nirvana song is different from either of these two, and that's something in the way. Yeah. And um, and we'll play that one too. Um, <laughs> so one of the cool things about um, part of me and uh, a member of Rock Deep Rogue Radio's crew is we're always bringing in other people and we're bringing other perspectives and stuff. Right. And one of the reasons why Jay Rocca, who again is the guy who um, he's an MMA fan, he got press access to them. He was saying he was actually a DJ for years. Oh wow. And he's friends with our namesake rock, uh, rocky parish he used to be a dj and he was saying that smells like teen spirit is one of the few rock songs that could actually be played in certain hip-hop clubs like everybody just yep. kind of respected it they weren't gonna like boo you off stage right. if we played it we're all jumping around just like everybody else yep. yeah right it was one of those songs that that seemed to kind of cross over even though it didn't really cross over because it's not it's not hip-hop but people in the hip-hop community still really enjoyed it Right. It's it's just it's just one of those songs that uh, people who who did hip hop for a living just had such a respect for Nirvana and yeah. what they were doing, even if you didn't know exactly what exactly they were singing or if you could relate to it or not. You just loved the energy, you loved the passion, you loved right. what Kurt wrote about. Yeah, all of that. Well, and also too, I mean, like at, you know, to use a hip hop colloquialism, game recognizes game, right? And like. Mm-hmm. Any any musician is going to hear another musician, and and even if it's not your genre, you're going to be like, that's dope. Yep. Like, would I consider yep. myself to be a country music fan? Fuck no. <laughs> but like, there's certain songs that I hear where I'm like, this is really good. Like mm-hmm. Zach Brown, I'm, for I'm instance. I'm the same yep. way. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't consider myself a Zach Brown band fan, mm-hmm. but I listen to his stuff and I'm like, he's really good. Yep. And another tie-in here, the Foo Fighters had a um, a documentary documentary series they did called uh, Sonic Highways. What they did was they went to eight different cities uh, all across America that have a music history. So like Nashville, for instance, Chicago, D.C., New York City, um, Los Angeles, Seattle. Um, I'm missing one of the other ones. Austin, Texas. Um, and then there was one other one that I can't remember right now. Um, but, um, I mean, besides the point, like it's when they were in Nashville, they were talking about country music and they were talking about Zach Brown. And he had that song Chicken Fried. Right, everybody's heard it. It's it's 
a generic country song, right? Yeah. But he was an independent at the time. He wrote it himself. And a couple other musicians had heard him play it live. And they were like, hey, we really like that song. Can we cover it on our album? And he was like, yeah, that's cool. Just you cannot release it as a single because that's my baby. Mm-hmm. I don't want you getting money. I don't want you getting famous off of my song. So they were produced by the biggest producer in Nashville, like the biggest country music producer. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Fuck Zach Brown. Release it as a single because I said so. <laughs> so they released it as a single. Oh. And Zach Brown was like, Mm-mm, nope, and called his lawyer. And he was like, hey, I want to see some desist letter put together right now. He's like, you know you're going up against the biggest producer in Nashville right now, right? This is going to fuck your career. And Zach yeah. Brown's like, no, I'm going to fuck him. He, you don't do this. This is my song. We had a, an agreement. They said they wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And he sent the cease and desist letter. They had to take it down. So they weren't allowed to play that song on the radio anymore as a single. After that, other musicians would come up to him and be like, you're Zach Brown. I have to shake your hand because you have the biggest balls of any person I've ever met. You took that dude on. And you weren't even, like, the slightest bit scared. And that's how he made his name, Mm -hmm. is little by little, he grew a following. Right. And where does all of this tie in? What does Zac Brown have to do with alternative music? That's how alternative music got started. Mm. Punk bands used to pass out these things called zines. It was, like, handmade little magazines, little miniature magazines with, like, their their name and their bands that were playing with them Mm -hmm. and their songs and stuff like that and, like, art and stuff like that. And that's how word of mouth started was, oh, I want to go see this band. I want to go see them. I want to check them out in these small little clubs. Punk and alternative are like like best friends because they Mm -hmm. they came up in the same area. They came up with the same kind of independent style Mm -hmm. where it was like, we don't need big record producers. We don't need big labels. We're going to do this shit ourselves because we love the music. And that's that's why bands like Nirvana, bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers who just Mm -hmm. came on, that's how they got big was because their passion just bled through everything that they did. And like, you can hear it in their music too. Like in the, in the first song that we played up by Nirvana, like that's why I love smells like teen spirit is you can feel the energy in that song. Yep. Right. Yep. And like, it's, it's incredible. Every time. Yeah. And it went to the, the red hot chili peppers and it was kind of, I wish they had chosen a better song. Thanks Spotify. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go to another one. And we're going to tie this back into last week's episode of Earth, Wind, and Fire and Stevie Wonder. Uh-huh. Higher Ground is a Stevie Wonder song. Mm-hmm. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers cover it. And Stevie Wonder's in the video, too. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the music video for it. Oh, I haven't. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. But, like, just pure energy. This whole song. Like, and to take a good song oh, like the, this. Oh, this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. To take a good song like this and make it your own. Because this doesn't even sound like the Stevie Wonder version. And, like, I'm going to skip to the end because, like, this part's really, really great. But there's a, the ending to the song is so intense, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm cranking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Got to. There you go. I love that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I was not expecting that. that. <laughs> Dude, it's and, and honestly, those are the kind. Those are the best kind of covers too. When you can, ma- when you can make a song, when you, it's obvious that you're covering a song, but yeah. then you put your own spin on it. Right. I feel like because yeah. I feel like a lot, of, a lot of times with covers, people just try to do 
the original version, but just their voice and don't right. do anything else to kind of put their yeah. stamp on it. Right. And I think that like easily it'll be a really, really good episode for me and for you and for Tamika to have where we do liner notes cover songs. Oh yes. Because like I, I can think of a, a I'm I have like a dozen that are popping into my Same head. Same right here. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to go into alternative music for just a minute because alternative music means a lot to me because I got into it right at the time that I was like growing up because Nirvana, Mm -hmm. again, I'm nine years old, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm just starting to get into music and I didn't really have anything other than MTV. And let's be honest, MTV is not the best place to get really good music. Nope. Right. Not get, especially not now. I, I think oh, not, it's not, not yeah, even it might, exist. It yeah, doesn't I feel, exist. I mean, I feel like '90s and even the early 2000s oh, yeah. when I really got into music, like, it was fine for me because the first bands I got into were like Blink 182, mm-hmm. Some 41, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Those yeah. were my yeah. first bands, and I got into them from MTV. Yeah, but like now, yeah, no. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like when I was a kid, MTV was music videos Mm -hmm. and they actually played music it was amazing all day yeah and it was great but like right it was it was just cool to see your bands up on the up on tv but what changed it for me especially with alternative music was was the radio Mm. and it's why i want to do stuff like this it's why i want to be a podcaster it's why i want to be on the radio but the radio station in this area was 99.1 whfs yes yes because yo (laughs) yeah right DC 101 is a rock station. Yeah. And it's a good it's a good radio station. I mean, I, I like DC 101 a lot. But 99.1 WHFS, when I'm like 12, 13 years old, it, it, it touched my soul. Like, it was, it was <laughs> hey, this is cool stuff that nobody else has heard. Yep. This is stuff that you won't hear anywhere else. Oh, there, there's yep. this independent vibe. Because they were originally right. started as like a college radio station. But I had found out they had been around since my dad was a kid. Huh. So, like, they had always been doing stuff like this. And they played mm-hmm. alternative music back then, too. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's gone now, which sucks. That was such a sad day. I, re- I remember the day it, yeah. w- it went down. It was so sad. Oh, it doesn't exist. It, no. it, it the, the weird thing is it was kind of abrupt because many of my – because I think I was in high school the day it stopped. And many of my classmates were just like, why is there Spanish music playing on 99.1? Oh, no. Yeah, like, many people just found out, like – by tuning into the station and it was just not there anymore. You were getting yeah, all like yeah, you were getting all Spanish music. It was really weird. Yeah. It became El Zol. Yeah. Mm. But HFS was not only was it the ra- the radio station. It was it was the community mm-hmm. because if you met another kid at high, in high school that liked HFS, oh, you were automatically cool. Like you guys were yep. automatically friends. They had a concert every summer, every every Memorial Day. They had a, the HF Festival that was at RFK yep. Stadium, and it was just oh. all the big alternative bands. But that was the other thing, too, is that's what was cool about HFS. You know the first radio station in D.C. to play Eminem? WHFS. Oh. Because nobody else would play it. Wow. Uh, a white rapper? Like, and this is like, I mean, and he was talking about some pretty crazy shit back then, too. Yeah, like, this is was. like, and that's actually my favorite Eminem. It's like the, the Slim Shady, Old like the, school, yeah. the crazy oh, yeah. stuff, like As the World Turns stuff that he did. Like, that's mm-hmm. like my favorite song of his, you yep. know? Dun, 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 go, go, gadget dick. Um, <laughs> but like, I, um, they, they played him first. They were the first ones to play. They were the first ones to play Matchbox 20. 
right? Like Matchbox Wait, Twenty is like did... that's like yeah. that, that's the shit your parents listen to on one right. on Mix One Hundred Seven Point Three. That's like the safest thing you can listen to. Yeah, so but back, then, <laughs> well, back then it wasn't. Right. Same thing with Maroon Five. They were the yep. first ones to play Maroon Five. They were the first ones to play. Um, you mentioned them earlier, the Goo Goo Dolls. They were uh, the yep. first ones to play the Goo Goo Dolls. Huh. Like they were trendsetters. They played shit that nobody else would play, and then everybody was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Right. And then it expanded from there. So like. That's what was so great about alternative music. Yep. Is you had a chance to do some shit that nobody else was doing and and really grow from there. And that transi- transitions us into the next group on our list. And that is Pearl Jam. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, I would never say that I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I don't have a lot of their stuff. In fact, I own I think I own one of their one of their albums that I bought when I was a kid. I never went to any of their concerts. I don't own any of their merch. But goddamn, do I respect Pearl Jam. Right. They have good songs. Their albums are great. They put on amazing shows. But not only that, going back to that alternative vibe, mm-hmm. they fought Ticketmaster when nobody oh. else would. Ticketmaster was taking a ridiculous percent from all of these acts that were that were selling their, you know, selling tickets for their shows, right? And Ticketmaster was like, well, uh, we don't really care what your problem is. Um, <clears throat> fuck off because we're a per- <laughs> we're, we're ticket ticketmaster. And Pearl Jam was like, mm, no, fuck you. We don't want to sell our tickets through you. Mm-hmm. And like, that is so badass to right. take on the system like that. Yep. To take on a system of like where I mean, because Nirvana wasn't doing that, but Nirvana also it didn't matter. Nirvana was making money hand over fist. Everything Nirvana was selling, right. so they didn't need that. But Pearl Jam was big, but not that big. Right. Yeah. And they didn't like how they were screwing their fans. They didn't like that it was 60 bucks to go see a concert. He's like, Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, was like, no, this is wrong. We need to do something about that. And I have maybe like, I mean, I have their best of collection, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I will always listen to their stuff. I love their music. I love their sound. But more importantly, I love their politics. I love that they're for the little guy. That they're not just like, well, we need to get paid. They're like, no, we need to get paid, but we also need to do it with a conscience. Right, right. And, like, for that, like, Pearl Jam will always be. And that, mm-hmm. honestly, that's how it should be. That's yeah. a very, that's like, that's a very punk attitude to have, too, yeah. relating it back to what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, like, and that's what's great about this. It, it makes me, it's making me very nostalgic. Like, right. because <laughs> I loved that vibe of HFS. Like, they used to sell these things. They were called, uh, these CDs, and they were called Just Passing Through. Mm-hmm. And what Just Passing Through was is musicians would be, like, in the area. Uh, in like the DC Baltimore area and they would come in and they would play a live set and they would record it and they what they would do is they would sell the CDs and the proceeds would go to charity but mm. they sold them in Starbucks so I'm like 15 years old maybe and like I don't drink coffee because I mean I, I just don't like right. <laughs> and like I remember I woke up the day that they started selling that CD at 5 o'clock in the morning and rode my bike up to the Starbucks that was closest to my house and waited for them to open <laughs> to go buy that CD. Right. And then, like, I felt bad because I'm only buying this CD. So I was just like, let me get a hot chocolate. <laughs> and got that, too. But, like, it was... It was... There was a connection, you know? Like, right. you, mm-hmm. you felt like you were part of something when you listened to this. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I miss about old-school radio. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I don't even listen to the radio now. No. It's really it's yeah. weird. If I this, don't have my phone or iPod. This is, this is my radio. Right. My, my phone. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And like, I, when, it's it's been almost two years now. Um, but when Rocky came on Facebook and was, he basically put a Facebook post out and was like, hey, I want to create my own podcast network. 
I jumped all over it for that reason because I wanted to create that community that mm -hmm. used to exist. Yep. I wanted that underground feel. You know, I want people to be like, I, I want to get to a point where I see Believe DC t-shirts. I want to go to like a Nats game or a Caps game or a Wizards game or like a Mystics game <laughs> or a Divas game and mm -hmm. see some fool wearing this shirt and just be like, I designed that and like <laughs> high five that dude. Yeah. Like, because you're awesome. Exactly. Like, I, that's what I want from this. And that's, I, I want all of these different personalities involved. Right. Like, yeah. that was, that was the cool, like I did an interview with uh, Wes Johnson, the guy who's the voice of the, uh, of, of the Caps. Yeah. I did an interview with him. He used to work for HFS back in the day. Wow. So like I'm fanboying because one, he's the voice of the Caps. Two, because he used to work at HFS. Three, he's he's in like every video game ever. Like he's <laughs> if it's if it's a Bethesda game, he's done a voice for it. Wow. Yeah. So I, I now that he's free because the cap season is over and the celebration is it kind of died down a little bit. I'm gonna see if I can score another interview with him. He was like, "Hey, we should meet at the Celebrity Deli up in uh, Falls Church," and I was like, "Yeah, food and an interview, yes. sure, yeah. absolutely, let's do it." But I want to pick his brain on like all of like being part of this legendary yeah. radio station. And it influenced so many people. Oh yeah. yeah. So many people. It, you know, I, I too kind of miss having that community of being able to, you know, to, you know, you hear something and you know not everyone is up on it, but then you meet people who are also into it and discover right. the same kind of same, discover these same kind of bands. I mean, the internet is kind of blurred. It's kind of blurred out a little bit now, where you know it's not really that surprising to find you right. know other people who are hip. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's it, it's made it's made the world a smaller place. Mm -hmm. True. And then when you go on the internet, you have haters up there. Like you know, you you'll genuinely like it. Then yeah. you have that group of people who are like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, exactly. Just to be, right. just to be doing it. Just, just to be a contrarian. Right. Anti. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play another band that um, the first time I heard them was on HFS. And I got to watch them explode all over the uh, world. Yes. All over MTV as every one of their music videos became like the biggest thing ever. And that's Green Day. Obviously, if you didn't know. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I know you guys. Who do. is this band? Who are they? I have no idea who this is. They're Blue but Knight. But I like it. Blue Knight, right? Something like that? <laughs> Blue Knight. Nice. Green Day was the first punk band that I had really ever listened to. I mean, again, too, I'm like 12, maybe 13. Like, yeah. when, is, when is sixth grade? Like 12? Is that right? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah like 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was such an awesome... Again, tape. I mean, you, you got to tape. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I eventually like converted to the CD, but I, I had yeah. this on tape. And we, <laughs> my wife jokes all the time, too, because um, my mom bought me this tape, right? It was called Dookie. <laughs> and we make fun of it because my mom was not hip at all, right? <laughs> and when... We, we, we like we envision this like conversation that she had with the guys at the record store. <laughs> my my son's looking for this album, Poopy. Have you heard of it? It's Poopy, Poopy. And we like we just keep emphasizing that word over and over again. And then they're like, you mean you mean Dookie? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah, one. yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, <laughs> that one. Yeah, let me get that one. Let me get Dookie. Like, <laughs> that was cool of her just to buy it for you. Like. She she had she had her moments. Like she. She was pretty lame for the most part, but like <laughs> she she had her moments where she tried to be pretty cool. So it was like that cool lame, like come on, mom. Nah, like, thank you at the same time. It was it was more it was more like she was lame lame all the time, but then every now and then she would do something cool, and it was just like, right. 
I love you. All right, Mom. Good. <laughs> well done. Well done. Bravo. <laughs> but yeah, Green Day. Green Day was a game changer for me. Um, Same here. Like, I'm not even. This isn't even like my favorite song of theirs off this album. Um, this whole album, though, Dookie was just incredible. It's a um, classic. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable saying that it's a classic. Yeah, I think it's it's easily one of the best albums of the '90s. Um, but this song, in particular, when I come around. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is my jam from them. This is the song I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> and like this is one of those songs. I, I feel like um, Jay Rocka had mentioned it before that like there were certain songs you could play in the hip hop clubs and get away with. I feel like if somebody heard Green Day, not that you would actively play it, but if somebody heard Green Day in a hip hop club, they're not going to be mad at you. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Like, oh, I know this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How do you feel about their transition? Because, you know, they, they say that there are two different types of Green Day fans, depending on when you got into them. There's everything pre-American Idiot and then everything post-American Idiot. Yeah. I've, I've stuck around with them. I've, I've given them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I liked American Idiot. I love, that I was, love that album. That was one. Of, that's one of my unpopular opinions because yeah. I, I didn't understand why everyone hated it so much. I mean, I, I loved, I still love, you know, their '90s stuff. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed that album. I did too. And like, I remember, um, I was dating a girl who lived up in Baltimore at the time, and I still, I lived in Northern Virginia, and like, she got it for me for Christmas, and I was driving home, and I put it in, and I listened to the entire album from track one all the way through, and it was just an incredible album. It's so right. good. <laughs> And anytime you can have an album that you can play from track one all the way through and you don't have to skip any tracks, that's just, and that's to me... very rare. Exactly. Yeah, to me, that's a sign rare. of a good album. And, like, right. you, know, you can't get that nowadays. Oh, yep. no. And it's crazy, too, yeah. because the album was also very unconventional. Because some of those songs were really long. Like, Jesus of Suburbia is nine minutes. And it's like... And that's a and long it, and song. It, and it sounds like... <laughs> and it, it, sounds like snippets from different songs that they piece together mm-hmm. but it's also still really cohesive and then and like i listen to it from start i listen to that song i can listen to that song non-stop um my fa- my actually my personal favorite on that album is actually what's her name which oh like, yeah what's absolutely na- yeah it's that's it's, that's, it's, it's yeah. such a great breakup song yep and i especially love how the build-up too because it's really mellow yeah and then, <laughs> then the build then you get that build up in the middle and then just you know what? We did this last week, so ask and you shall receive. Uh, we'll play a little what's her name. Uh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, just a just a great overall album. And thing. like one one of my favorite things that I enjoy doing when I have songs that I really like is sometimes I go on YouTube and I watch them perform this song live. Yeah. Or I, I watch groups perform this song live. Yeah. And so the one live performance I've seen of this song was uh, literally Billy Joe singing acoustic with the entire crowd, like this entire stadium, singing the vocals with him as he played acoustically. Wow. And oh, it was, wow. it was check that out. amazing. Yeah, mm. I'll check it out for sure. Um, but yeah, great album. And the funny thing is, is that girl who bought me this album, we broke up, and this <laughs> this song ended up being our breakup song. Like I, I sent it of to her. Course. Like I, like back in the day when you had a blog, remember? Like everybody oh, had like, yeah. like um, crap. What was the name of the Zanga, blog? Zanga Live Z- Journal. Zanga. Yeah. yeah, everybody had a Zanga, right? So I, I put the lyrics to the song in the Zanga, and she read it, and she was just like, "Damn, dot 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 dot." And I was just like, I was like, and even worse is you gave me the album. 
like the, <laughs> drop the mic. Like it was just like yeah, and this is such a good album. <laughs> I agree. I really enjoyed yeah. this. Um, I'm trying to remember what was the album afterwards. I, 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 I thought um, Twenty One Century Breakdown was okay. It was all right. It was okay. There were songs. There were songs I liked, and then there was a lot of that was just like filler. Just, yeah, it was okay. Know Your Enemy was really good, and then yeah. See the Light is really good too. Agreed. But um, I'll tell you, like while we're on our little Green Day tangent here, um, their most recent album, Revolution Radio, has a song on it that's incredible. In fact, like if you I don't remember if I listen to it, I will play it for you in just a moment here. Um, so one of the things that spotify does is towards the end of the year like in december you can get your spotify stats right and it shows you like what you listen to oh, most yeah, of yeah, yeah. and like this was this song still breathing off of um off of revolution radio was my number one played song for 2016 <laughs> huh. or was it uh, this would have been last year so okay so 17 yeah yeah the album came out at the end of 2016 so just a great song but yeah definitely check it out like let me check it out on your way home listen to the oh, whole yeah, thing it's, it's good I'm going to put this on while I play some Rocket League. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like the sound of this. Yeah, it's it's a really good track. It has a very old school feel, like their old stuff. I was, like, just, right. about, I was just about to say that. Like, this song could have easily come out in, like, 1999. Right. And I'd have been like, yep, this sounds like them. Yep. They went back to a place that was their pure form, you know? Right. And I I think it's really hard for bands to do that. You you hear a lot of bands talk about wanting to do that, and it's actually the big issue I have with bands that want to do sequel albums, like, years after the fact. Mm -hmm. And it's like... You have to be in that feel, yeah, like in that like, moment. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's and that's my thing. Like, I have a theory that most sequel albums don't work because they're not done directly after the first one. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I would, I would tend to agree. Um, good tie-in, because here we go. Let's do a sequel album because right after Nevermind, which was the biggest album ever, um, Nirvana took a different turn, and the reason why they took a different turn, and, I'm, and the song I'm going to play. It's called Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. Hmm. You hear all this feedback and distortion? This was on purpose. They did this because Kurt Cobain was so pissed at what his music was becoming. It was becoming this anthem for a a generation, and that's not what he wanted. But it wasn't him that was doing it. It was a corporate entity that was essentially making his music something that he never intended it to, to be, other than the music. So he made this song, Radio Friendly Unit Shifter, which is like a uh, like an industry term they use for um, a, a good song, a radio-friendly unit shifter. Hey, this will sell a lot of albums. But this is easily one of my favorite Nirvana songs. <laughs> it's such a good song. But like, In Utero was like it was it was very very punk in its in its genesis because it was such a middle finger to like the whole establishment of music like this isn't what we wanted this isn't you've made this indie scene thing become the big thing and that's not right. what this right. was meant to be and it's it's uh, produced by this guy named Steve Albini who is like a punk rock legend um, and he fought with Nirvana like the whole time they were doing the record so like they got under each other's skin but like that's part of what made it such a great album right and like kind of to tie tie up the knot with, with uh, Nirvana mm-hmm. you get a song like this and then you have his cover 
of Lead Belly's Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Which I think is more haunting and more powerful than the original version. Mm-hmm. Because you hear him sing this and like the story goes and, and Courtney Love said it so it's probably bullshit. <laughs> but she said that she, they were in London, right? And some dude was flirting with her and Kurt was like back in the hotel room and she was like, maybe I'll end up fucking this guy. And she didn't end up doing it. And she got back to the hotel room and Kurt was like, so you were thinking about banging some dude, huh? And she was like, how did you know that? And it's because she said Kurt was like super intuitive. Like he could just read vibes. Like he could just read people. And the next day they were in New York to record this. And he, as he's recording, as he's playing the song, he's staring directly at her. Like, like he did this for her. Like <laughs> F you. Like it was now again too, she's full of shit. So yeah. for all we know, none mm-hmm. of this is true, but like still like that puts a whole subtext behind the song. Right. And like, it's such a good cover. I'll let it play for a little bit. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mike on the Mic on the Rock Deep Road Radio Network. This is an episode of the Liner Notes. We're talking about 90s alternative icons. You're listening to Where Did You Sleep Last Night? This is Nirvana's uh, unplugged session that they did for MTV. Originally a Lead Belly song. Enjoy. So this was such a cool album because I don't know if you've, if you've ever like looked through it and listened to it, but none of the songs on this album are their big hits. None of them. This is true. Yeah. And he did that on purpose. And it's a shame because this was their last album before he, before he died. And I'm not going to say committed suicide because there is a lot of speculation and there's a lot of people who believe me being one of them that he did not kill himself. I agree. And I, yeah, so I'm not going to say that he committed suicide. It it fit with the narrative that they were trying to spin for him. Right. That he was depressed and that all people who were depressed are going to commit suicide. And like, it was bullshit. You know, that could be a show in and of itself. You know, lots of the famous conspiracy theories in music. Oh, can be a whole oh, show in itself. Oh, there's a plan. <laughs> Trust me. We, we, you're on the same wavelength. Yeah. We're totally doing that. All right, so let's move on to some more. I mean, there's so many great al- songs on here, guys. Um, check out the playlist. If you go to Spotify, uh, you can go to the liner notes, uh, Alternative Icons, what I call the playlist. You guys can uh, subscribe to it. You can add songs to it. Please do, because I always love seeing what other people have to add. I want to go in. Heart shaped box is on there. Oh, it is. Oh, for sure. I didn't play it, but it's it's definitely on there. Cool. Uh, We'll do a couple more songs, and then we'll go ahead and uh, we'll make this a short night here. Um, But I wanted to go into. I'm gonna let him finish because the ending of the song. (laughs) 
awesome. It just gives you chills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to another band that when I heard them the first time blew my mind. I was like, what the hell are these guys doing? Like, how are they even making these sounds? Oh, here we go. <laughs> and then it's Rage Against the Machine. First time I heard a song that, like, made me start thinking in political terms. Like, I, like what, what are they talking about? And then reading up on stuff and, like, oh, oh, wow. Like, like you really had the, like, you really went and did research after hearing their music. Yeah. Because you were like, mm-hmm. yo, what is, he, what is Zach talking about here? Yeah. Let me go see what this is. Yeah. But, like, this is, like, if you wanted to start a revolution, this is the song you, you play a Rage album. But also, at the same time, if you need to, like, get pumped up before you go, like, work out at the gym, you listen to a Rage Against the Machine album. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have several Rage songs on my pump-up playlist when I go play flag football. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play another song here um, off the same album. This is uh, The Battle of Los Angeles. Um, and there's a story Classic. behind There's a story behind this, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, I work in a corporate environment. And there are times that I hate my job because you have to play this corporate game of yep. like mm-hmm. motivational speeches and shit like that, right? Understand so yep. the, the boss that I had at the time was like, I want everybody to have a motivational quote tomorrow at work and I'm like what the hell am I going to come up with man there's a line in this song where he goes it has to start somewhere it has to start sometime what better place than here what better time than now and I quoted that and nobody got it everybody was just like oh that's a good quote I like that and nobody knew that it was Rage Against the Machine and I was just like it was no but it was awesome because like when I created GGR and I told this to Steve the other guy who co-created GGR with me he was like that is the greatest story I've ever heard <laughs> because nobody knew what I was talking about right and like but it was but it was great because I did and I was just like I'm using rage you know power to the people right like it was yep yeah. what's funny is uh, one of the when I was back in college the first radio show I ever had was actually called Ashes in the Fall oh nice because it's, it's my favorite song on this album and whenever I explained Ashes in the and I, I even used the song as the intro Whenever I would explain the title to people, they'd be like, "Oh, that's so poetic. That's really like that's really dope. I never thought of that like that." And I'm like, "But do you know where it's from?" And they're like, "You didn't just come up with it." <laughs> like, oh, no. Like I it's wish only, I did, but it fa- wasn't me. Yeah, it's only my favorite rage song on Battle of LA, which yeah. is, I mean, and even then, it's, it's kind of hard to come up with a favorite song on this album because mm-hmm. it might change depending on what I'm, how, how my mood is. Right. Yeah. Like just uh, like a week ago, I fell into a calm, uh, calm like a bomb. Oh. And I just, I just kept, dude. like, I just, I had to put it on repeat. That bass line is so. <laughs> you mean this bass line? So amazing. This is such a dope song. <laughs> yeah, this is such a dope song. <laughs> Not to mention, I Be Walking God Like a Dog is one of my favorite opening lines of any yeah. song. <laughs> I be walking God like a dog. I never get fearless. And just what a cool term, calm like a bomb. Right? Yeah. <laughs> also love that each of their albums had such a different feel while ha- also maintaining that high energy that you expect oh, yeah. from them. Yeah. 
And, like, let's just give a shout-out to Tom Morello, who is still, like, just blasting people, like, left and right. At one point, like, Paul Ryan, like, just might as well be Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. Basically, is like, is like, yeah, I love Rage Against the Machine, you know? And, like, Tom Morello came out and was like, dude, my, you are the machine. We are raging against you. Don't fucking listen to my music. And, like, I was like, that is so dope. Like, basically telling me, like, you just don't even get it. Like, this is about people like you. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, um, such a great song. Yeah, uh, we got a couple more minutes here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a couple of shout-outs on this playlist sure. here. Um, I got to mention Radiohead. Radiohead oh, was like every emo kid. This is where it started. You know, it is is Radiohead because like they're kind of depressed. They're British. Like they're but they 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 just musically just incredibly talented. Right. And it, like yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say it's. I love this song, but it's really hard for me to listen to it. One, as a former emo kid. Yeah. And two, <laughs> also because like 10 years ago, I think I put you on game to this. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, uh, someone on the internet created Sad Kermit. Sad, Sad oh, Kermit. Is this- <laughs> and they covered this song. And it's supposed to be like someone who does a really good Kermit impersonation, like singing <laughs> these songs. We we did that with we did that with Green Day because we were coming up with fusion bands, and the band was uh, Billy Joe Armstrong couldn't sing um, for Green Day because he hurt his vocal cords, so they brought Kermit the Frog in. So they were uh, it's not easy being Green Day. <laughs> yeah, and me and me and Eric do really good Kermit the Frog impersonations. So it was like it was like, do you have the time to listen to me whine? <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, so I wanted to give Radiohead a shout out because they've got some some dope stuff. Um, just all of their stuff was, was great, but they're, they're one of the kings of alternative music. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to somebody that most of us wouldn't have heard at all had it not been for alternative radio stations. And that's Beck. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to remember the name for the life. Yeah, right. He's. he's like, not, I heard this, but he's not quite rock. He's, he's kind of rap. He said yeah. that. Yeah, he said this weird. It's a rare combination. He, yeah. he's nothing but everything. He's back. right. Like yeah. he's yeah, and he's weird and he's out there and like he yeah like. And I'll tell you when yeah. when my when my distaste for Kanye started was when Kanye talked shit about him. Oh, when he won the, uh, oh, the album the of the year. Yeah, that the album was really dope, too. Yeah. Beck doesn't do bad music. Right. Like, I'm not saying he's... You the, may not be yeah. familiar with it, but yeah. his music is dope. He's right. really good. Yeah, Kanye talks so much shit, and then people were, like, defending Beck, and they were like, you know that every album, every musical instrument on that album, Beck played. Like, he played every single one of them. This entire album is him. F you, Kanye, for sampling and, like, trying to, <laughs> ca- trying to call him out. Like... Right. Yeah. And this song... Two turntables and a microphone. Everybody <laughs> talks. Everybody still quotes this. Yes. Like, so shout out to Beck and like his just amazing weirdness. Like, just absolutely love him. Not to mention, everyone knows Epro, even if they don't know that that song. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know Epro. You've heard it somewhere. We also got to give a shout out to the grandfathers of alternative weird indie music, and that would be um, the Pixies. Oh yes. Yeah. Please tell me you have Wave of Mutilation. Yeah, that's actually the next song on the track. Yeah, I love that yeah. song. Yeah. 
but Debaser we've used as an intro for GGR Pirate Radio since like like 2014. Like that, that was like the first intro music we ever used. Um, Soundgarden gets gets a shout out on here for sure. Like everything. I mean, Audio Slaves on here too because that was a Chris Cornell project as well. But it was it was Chris Cornell and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, yeah. So it's, like yeah. yeah. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots is on here. Of course. Um, a couple of one offs. I have this uh, band called Space Hog, which. <laughs> If you heard the song, it's it's in the meantime. You've heard this song. Everybody's heard this song at some point. It's just like it's embedded in your pop culture DNA. It's just once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, this song. But another one of those like awesome bass lines. I'm surprised somebody hasn't sampled this yet. That's kind of surprising. This bass line is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I've yeah. heard this. There oh, it is. Okay. That yeah. part came in. I knew that as <laughs> yeah. soon as that came in. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know this yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. So, Space Hog, um, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, The Toadies, which... Oh, wow. The song Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. I Most people, if you didn't know that from growing up, you know it from playing Guitar Hero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my introduction. Yeah. And another one of the, um, another one of the, like, grandfathers of alternative music is the Violent Femmes. Yes. Weird, out there. Wouldn't say that the singer's a good singer. Mm-hmm. Like their lyrics are incredible. Like listen to this. And I will play but the day after today I will start and I will start. That's alternative, right there. Like, if somebody wanted to be like, what's alternative music? Nirvana, this. Right. Where does this fit? Is this rock? Not really. Is it folk? Not really. What the hell is this? It's awesome. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually looking at Spotify, and they have uh, they have them listed as melodic folk punk. <laughs> alternative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Melodic folk punk. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's... Sure, that works. <laughs> it's not quite anything. It's yeah, it's this weird thing, man. So, we're gonna end on my favorite song of all time. Now, a quick distinction: I don't consider this band to be alternative at all. The only the only album of theirs that really falls into the category of alternative is their first one, and that was it was a self titled album. It was the Foo Fighters, and the reason why I consider that to be alternative is the first Foo Fighters album that ever came out was all Dave Grohl. Like, yep. he did all of the lyrics, he did all of the singing, he did all of the guitar, all of the drums, all of the bass, with the exception of one song, which is Alone and Easy Target, which had uh, Chris Novoselic, which was the bassist from Nirvana. So other than that, he did the entire album himself. I would consider them to be a rock band. Because, I mean, if you listen to their stuff, it's, it's very, like, rock. But yep. they got their start in alternative and kind of transitioned into rock. 
Because now they're like they're. I mean, they're old white people rock. It's cool. I, I get it. <laughs> they're like they're my Have favorite. Have they crossed over into that? Huh. I, I was it's funny. I don't. I don't. I don't really. Con- I don't- I don't know. Maybe they have transitioned. I just never thought of it like I that. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of their fans, though, like they have a wide fan base. Yeah. So they they cross over well, and they started off in the alternative scene because that's where they got their roots. I mean, Dave Grohl was a drummer in a punk band before he went into Nirvana. Um, grew up in the punk scene here in DC. Yep. So like, for him to turn to a a rock guitar god, and like I think the best front man out there. I don't think there's another lead singer that's better than him. But we're going to play Everlong, and we're going to end the show Classic. on Everlong. It is, it is my favorite song of all time. I absolutely love this song. The energy of this song is so crazy. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, it's such that, a good song. It, you, I feel like if you, you could take the words out of this song, and it would still give you that same just um. Right, because I'm loving this already. Yeah. Have you never heard Everlong? Probably have, but don't remember. Well, here you go. There you go. <laughs> it's a nice treat. <laughs> Big thanks to uh, to Charmaine. Big thanks to uh, MC Brooks. To Tamika, because she's listening in the chat room. To Vivian Perea, she's listening too. To Jay Rocca of Head Movement, he's listening as well. To all of you who listen, thank you very much. Make sure you go to the website. It's rockdeeprogradio.com. This episode is going to be Mike on the mic. You'll be able to see it on my feed. It'll be on the podcast feed as well, so check that out. I'm just going to let the Foo Fighters play us out, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Mike on the mic on the Rock Deep Road Radio Network. Pirate Radio Network production juice bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>